Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs. This is Dave Cruz, uh, kind of live from Madison, Wisconsin. And today we are lucky enough to have Max Lynch with us. And Max is the CEO and co-founder of Ionic. And if you do any type of app development, you probably have heard of Ionic and probably Max. If not, we'll talk about exactly what they do and how his team has seen an explosive growth and how they've done that over the past four years or so. So that's quite a story. Uh, Ionic and Max are located in Wisconsin, so I'm lucky enough to be sitting here with Max. Um, so it's a, we get to do an in-person interview. And Ionic is really kind of a hidden gem, definitely in Madison and in the Midwest. So hopefully uh, you guys can learn more about it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to learn more too. So Max, thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so we'll definitely talk about Ionic, um, but curious to hear more about your background, like where you went to school and you know, what interested you growing up and yeah, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up in Milwaukee, uh, actually specifically Shorewood with Ben, my co-founder. Oh yeah. So oh. we went to elementary school and oh, no way. all the way up through to college together. Um, Were your friends all the way through? Yep. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. All right. <laughs> actually, it was earlier than that. It was kindergarten that we oh, man. started being right. friends. Cool. So, yeah, so we've been, uh, we haven't always been like working on things together, but that's a, that's a separate story. But um, yeah, I uh, <clears throat> kind of got into computers and programming, I think when I was in middle school. Um, okay. So, you know, I was, I was fortunate to go to a school that did have some uh, basic kind of programming. I think you started off with HTML um, <clears throat> and you kind of worked your way up. But I, I also had a family friend who was a professional developer who kind of saw that I was interested and kind of started pushing me towards Java. Um, so that's kind of like my first language. Um, so since then, yeah, I mean, I, I've really just always been into programming and computers. I pretty much did that through high school and then college. What, what did you do? Like, what to, did you work on projects or do you... Um, um, yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I was very, uh, it was very basic website stuff. Uh, and then I kind of got into Java and was doing desktop development okay. with like Java Swing back when that was big. Um, dabbled a little bit in C and C++ with when I started getting into Linux. Um, okay. But yeah, you know, I, I think after that I was pretty much drawn back to the web and building web stuff just because it was, there was nothing else where you could reach so many people for so little like technical time required. <laughs> true, true. Um, and it kind of sealed the deal, deal for me. It was like, okay, anything else I build is going to pale in comparison to something that I put on the web. So I pretty much focused on HTML, JavaScript, and then PHP at the time to kind of make it do okay. things. What, and what type of things were you making it do? Were you, were you doing consulting work or just working on your own stuff? Um, <clears throat> I did a little bit of like client development just to kind of prove that I could make okay. some money, but I hated it. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Was, uh, was this in college or when, what, or when uh, was it? I think the you? first, I did a, f a few things in high school. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were yeah. small projects and then a little bit in college. Um, but yeah, no, I was, uh, one of my big projects was building this kind of watering hole for all our friends in high school. So it was, we call it like Facebook before right. Facebook, because Facebook <laughs> didn't, didn't exist then. Okay. And it was basically a blog with 
you know, a forum and a bunch of small little like apps, like there was something for sharing poetry. They could write poems and share, share with each other. So it was kind of just like a, a, a site that had a million features on it just for sharing stuff. Okay. We'll have to put some of those poems up. Probably wise. Probably wise. Interesting. All right. So then where did you go to college? UW Madison. Okay. And uh, you kept programmed and what was your major? Computer science. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And uh, so what year did you graduate? Uh, I graduated in twenty ten. Twenty ten, yeah, that's right. You're young. Super young. <laughs> um, nice. All right. And so when when you're graduating, did you have any plans or what was your plans for after college? Um you know, I, I think I I think I had a general idea that I wanted to kind of do my own thing. Um, but I didn't really know what that meant then. And this was, you know, 2010. So, you know, the startup craze hadn't quite hit. It was still yeah, like a yeah. little bit early, but um, I, I started paying attention to like the startup world and, and was interested in, in, you know, doing something like that. But I really had no clue what I was doing. So I actually did start a company end of my end of college, like late junior year um, with someone that I met. It ended up not really going anywhere, but it was kind of my first taste. Um, I, I got burned out from that, went to go, you know, do some uh, development at a local gaming company. And after that, you know, kind of convinced Ben to, to go, you know, build something crazy and, and nice, build our nice. first product. And before jumping to that, I was, you know, I read one of your blog posts and one was on action sports and how that kind of influenced you. You thought, can you share a little bit? I thought it was interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was uh, younger, we were big into rollerblading. So rollerblading was cool. like a big craze back then, whenever that was. And yeah, we used to skate all the time, take pictures of each other. Like, you know, everyone had their own crew and the crews kind of battled, <laughs> but they all had like their own website. So it was just, it was an f- interesting like contrast between like, you know, the kind of person that a lot of people probably thought was, I don't want to say like, you know, they weren't like academically inclined, yeah. but yet like we were all like, you know, learning computers, building things. So in a way, like very creative crowd, but just a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, offbeat. Um, so I was, you know, I hung out with those with those people, and you know, they're very individualistic, very like, you know, build it yourself kind of thing. And so I started, you know, building websites and building image galleries and doing flash videos, uh-huh. uh, trying to compete with like who could build the best website. Yeah, and, <laughs> <laughs> and right, and how much more useful that is than, uh, I mean. So high school classes have their place, but yeah, how much, yeah, we, we don't, that's another whole podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so before, what was your sweetest movie you ever did? Um, movie? Rollerblading, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, uh, probably jumping off like a big set of 10 stairs and doing a spin in the air. Yeah. Wow. I, right. Yeah, my knees, around. my knees regret that. Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, some of those folks must have like special knees because they just keep doing it over and over again. I don't, but yeah. <laughs> or there's or there's it, it's problems. a rush. It's a rush. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, interesting. All right. So you're talking to Ben. This is probably like around 2012 or so, mm-hmm. and they're talking to Ben. And did you who who came up with this idea, or did you guys were brainstorming, or were you frustrated by like mobile app development, or what was the? Um, so when we started, we were doing something slightly different, and Ben came from the design world, so he's a designer, he's not a developer, and he would do a lot of uh, work doing wireframing and, and yeah. mockups, 
and then you'd hand it to a developer and the developer would basically look at it and throw it out and start over. And we just <laughs> felt like there was an opportunity because we knew what, like, we knew the, the library and the framework that the developer was using. And we figured, like, why don't we just start with the framework but build a tool that kind of replaces something like balsamic mockups or Photoshop, but it's actually generating the real, like, UI for that framework underneath. So you could give it to a developer, and they already have the UI built. Yeah. Um, and we kind of felt like that was the same tooling that any kind of popular uh, UI kit would, would have. Like, Visual Basic had a, had a visual design tool, which, you know, made it kind of blow up in popularity. Um, so he had this idea like, okay, let's, maybe you can help me kind of build yeah, the app visually good. and we'll go from there. So we started there. That was in 2012, uh, bootstrapped the company building this like online drag and drop tool called Kodika. Yeah. And th that was targeting the jQuery mobile community. And then we kind of did something similar with Twitter bootstrap thinking like maybe this was going to be yeah. our thing, yeah. like popular framework and we built the tools on top. Um, kind of mid to end 2013, we felt like the technology underneath was not quite where we wanted to see it. So our tools were kind of limited in what they could actually produce underneath. And why is that? And why is that? It was just to take so much more effort to get it where you wanted to be or yeah, just I mean, ne never be able to? So jQuery Mobile and jQuery were, you know, very hot in, in successful projects, uh, kind of pre-20, like around 2012, yeah, 2013, yeah. or if not a little bit earlier. And, you know, they had their purpose, had their time, but we felt like the phones had just become much more powerful, okay. that you needed something a little bit more aggressive underneath to kind of push the limits of what was possible. Okay. And that kind of became Ionic. Gotcha, okay. Um, right, so it kind of evolved. And at some point, you went to Techstars. Yep. Was that with Kodaka, or was that with? That was Kodaka uh, and Jetstrap, yeah. So we were a very different company back then. Interesting. Did that help at all? Uh, it helped, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing it helped with, like, we were a bootstrapped startup. We were in Madison, so, you know, there weren't a lot of other startups. And we had no clue, like, how we were doing. Okay. Um, so probably <laughs> the biggest immediate impact of going to Techstars was, oh, we had, like, a measuring stick. We'd actually say, like, okay, well, we're making this much. This team's making this much. So you can kind of see where you're at. Um, just kind of learn how, like, the game is played a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's probably the biggest. Has the network helped at all? Like, do you use contacts from there? Uh, yeah, every once in a while I'll put it to work and it's been helpful. And I yeah. think they're doing a ton of work to make the ecosystem and, and the network stronger. Okay. So they've got a tool to see like, oh, who knows this person best nice. so you can get an intro to like through the person who knows yeah, them best. Yeah. Um, they're doing things like, you know, rating investors and helping you kind of oh. manage investment stuff. So. I think they've got a big opportunity to build a strong network. Um, I think YC has benefited from just being focused yeah, yeah. on one thing in one area with one group yeah. of people, and they haven't had that. So I think they'll get there. It's going to be okay. a, take some time. So let's see, end of 2013, you're a little unsure of a code account. So how many users did you have at that point? Do you remember? Or um, I think we probably had upwards of 300,000 users spread across. Wow, so you had a lot. I mean, yeah. So was it... Did you keep the Kodaka platform going uh, while you uh, uh, developed Onyx or? Yeah, so, so we hadn't raised any money yet. This was 2013. You still haven't raised any money? We have. Oh, you have. Yeah. We have, we, yeah. but at the yeah. time, we no, hadn't. Right. Okay, that's So Yeah, so we were yeah. like pretty much bootstrapped. That's impressive. And this was mid-2013, yeah. but the products, Kodaka and Jetstrap were making enough 
to cash flow us basically. So we oh, really? we basically ignored them for three months and built Ionic, and so it kind of paid for us to do that. Oh wow, okay. And how how did you charge for the? Did you have like a premium or like? Because was the basic plan free? Or yep, with Kodak, very get, premium. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. Um, interesting. So, um, at what point did you uh, know? So you released Ionic, and you released it. You already had three. So you released it to kind of your your same community. Um, it or was similar. Different? We did cross market a little bit, but I think we felt like there was, you know, the technology space changes so quickly that everything that we built Kodaka on top of was kind of old news by then. Ah, okay. So the, the the user groups were kind of new, but they definitely overlapped, okay. which made you know the pitch a little bit okay. easier. And the and for for the audience, what what does uh, what do you do with what does Ionic do, or what's the platform? Yeah, so Ionic just makes it easy for web developers who know how to build websites to uh, build mobile apps, native apps, and mobile web apps with the same technology. Same language, yeah, okay, that's good. I like it. And so, I mean, it's kind of fascinating. You, twice you created a really large community, which is not easy. And I mean, do you think it, a lot of it was you had the right technologies at the right time, or is it more like kind of your, and good technology, but also like your marketing strategy? Like, um, I think, you know, timing and luck plays a huge factor, but I will say that we've, you know, we've kind of built a, a strategy that we have used several times that's okay. been successful, and it's simple, you know? Like, we, we like to find groups of people who are really passionate about something and are open to improvements on that thing, and build it for them. So with Kodaka, it was the jQuery mobile community. It was getting really popular. People wanted to, yeah. they liked building apps with jQuery mobile, but they needed more help, they needed more tools. So if you built anything in that ecosystem, like the community would eat it up. Um, so with Ionic, it was very similar, except the community this time was jQuery mobile, or sorry, AngularJS, yeah. which was you know a really successful project from Google. Yeah. And so the community was hungry for ways to take their Angular passion but bring it to mobile and ionic was basically that that thing so if, so i look back and i think like hmm. the value prop like the whole pitch yeah you know no one else in the world would understand it except for the angular people and my pitch to them was you know angular well now you can build mobile apps and Perfect. we started with that that niche and kind of grew from there but you know it's 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 a good approach because you are part of the community like i was an angular developer so yeah. I was building something for myself, but I was also building something for the community in a way that actually helped them and was, you know, very like complimentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that works out well. So how how do you go about building something like that from like the ground up? It's um, right. So sometimes sometimes I have to translate the um, the web language, you know, HTML, CSS into Angular. So how do you uh, how does how does that work? Um, you know, it's actually very straightforward and a lot of like I think people are able to pick it up and learn it pretty quickly because we try to keep the same like HTML that okay. you're used to plus or minus like a few yeah. custom things yeah. but it's really just the same development process okay. that you're familiar with but but from the your, from your platform perspective how did you guys actually build kind of the engine to make that happen oh yeah um, it was a uh, it was a very random haphazard process because <laughs> we had no intention of building anything like what we have today. Oh, really? um, okay. right. Like at least from like from a uh, project success and scale standpoint, it was really you know hey let's we've got these other products they're making money we've got a business here so we're not you know desperate for anything let's 
we've got this idea, we just want to try it. And the deeper we got, the more we realized that no one had done anything like this yet. And that was just what motivated us. So, you know, at the time, like the iPhone 5 was kind of the state of the art. And until that point, you couldn't build websites on mobile that had like sufficient performance to feel good. Yeah. Like the iPhone 5 was really like the first phone that could do it well. And so we started building demos to push the limits and like they felt really good. And that was just kind of like, you know, what motivated us in the beginning. Interesting. And how long did it take to, for you to develop the, the initial platform? And how, how is it different from today? Or I think, so the first version, we built it kind of end of summer 2013. We started working okay. on it, so it was okay. a fall project. Okay. And it, I mean, I, I think back, like, those were some of the best days running this really? company. It was just, you know, like, we, 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 we had full creative freedom to just kind of build it, whatever yeah. we wanted. Everyone was kind of really excited about it. We were still a small team of probably like four or five people. Um, no investors. No well, investors really nice, at that point, yeah. yeah so, nice, yeah. yeah, except for Techstars, um, but yeah, we, you know, we 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 basically just kind of built this first version, and it's very similar to what we have today. It's okay. just kind of, or at least the first version. We're we're now about to release version two, which is totally yeah. different. Um, but the first version was just kind of been iterated on and improved over the last two years. Okay, how's that? So we'll we'll jump ahead to it right now, I guess. But how is the version two different than? Uh, it uses the big big difference is it uses Angular too, but maybe a bigger difference is that um, the JavaScript world has evolved considerably <laughs> since then, to the point where everyone is using a new kind of a new version of JavaScript, which is called ES6, and TypeScript, which is a Microsoft project to expand on ES6, and so a lot of Ionic two is kind of a you know using these new JavaScript wow. standards, but also going and using Angular too. Um, and it was an opportunity for us to just rebuild everything, you know, using the lessons learned and build like a much better, you know, offering. Interesting. Okay. And so what's a brief overview on the company, some, um, some stats on the companies, like how many, how many employees you guys have and how much money have you raised and how many apps have been created? I know you have a constant count on your website, which is cool. <laughs> so you, I want to exact, you know, we should probably look it up. If we're <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're a team of 20. Um, most of us are in Madison. We have four people spread out throughout the country. Okay. Um, actually, we have a little bit more than that. Uh, we've raised 12.2 million. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. yeah, we just closed the Series A a month ago, which was our biggest round. Um, Who's that from? Or who the General investors? Catalyst. Oh, well. And then our other investors, Arthur Ventures, Lightbank, and Founder Collective. Yeah, okay. Um, <clears throat> Good group of folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. And we've had over 2.3 million apps built on the platform from startups up to, you know, some of the biggest enterprise companies in the world. Wow. So with that uh, Series A, will that be go towards, well, obviously the platform development, but also marketing and just outreach yep. and maybe more enterprise or what? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we want to do. We're we're not going to get too crazy on hiring. I think we're at a good number. That's we smart, can do yeah. a lot with what we what we have, and um, you know, we're still in the early stages of kind of commercialization of the product. So um, some of that is going to go towards building out the enterprise offering because we've we've got a lot of enterprise users just kind of they're using the open source version, and now it's time to upsell them on something okay. more substantial. Um, but also just kind of building out the other bits and pieces of our entire stack. Yeah. And what, um, what's the enterprise version have that the, open, the, the free open source? Um, at the basic, there's a little bit of support 
a support model baked in. Okay. So, you know, a lot of companies need more help. They need, you know, a little more hand-holding. They want a direct line to Ionic if something happens. Um, so we've, we've got a way, a model for doing that in a way that's, <clears throat> you know, not a services approach that's not scalable. So um, <clears throat> that's, that's a big part of it. But then uh, additional features around the framework to help people with security because client-side security and storing uh, mm. client data is really important that it's encrypted. And a lot of these phones have features to help you with you know, client-side encryption that are not, a lot of developers are not really familiar with these techniques. Um, so things like that and kind of help you, you know, take your app a little further, harden it up a bit. Um, but then also interact with our backend services layer. Okay, okay. Um, no, that makes sense. And so going back to when you first launched Ionic, how, um, how many apps were created in the first year? I thought I saw some number that was oh, outrageous. It's like 465,000. Maybe that's 12 freak. months of me. It was, yeah, yeah, I think it was... This is 2014. It's already 2016, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, I know. I know. It's a little. It was a lot, everybody. So and maybe if we can find, we'll post it. It was, yeah, it was a ridiculous amount. 2015 was our was our year. Though. That was your how many? Do you know how um, I think we had over a million built then. Uh, so the the you know it's increased quite a bit. But... And, and are, are all these apps? They're not necessarily all in the app stores. No, no. So so there's a variety of way people people are using it today. So yeah. so. Some amount of those are polished and shipped to the app store. Yeah, yeah. Um, a good amount are put on the web, mobile okay. web. Uh, a lot of them are being built and distributed internally. Yeah, and, yeah. and we don't like know all these, you know, where everyone's using it because it's an open source project. So we don't track kind of that deeply as part of the you know, ethical yeah, barrier there. Yeah. Um, but a lot of big co enterprise companies are starting to build internal apps. So we, we know people, they have upwards of 20 to 100 internal apps really? for... Anything imaginable, like inside a big organization, they're building apps for. Huh. Right. Well, you can build it so fast with like Ionic. I mean, compared to what you used to be able to build, and so, and you don't need to be have a. I mean, you need to be, have a certain skill set, but you don't need to be have an advanced skill set with something like. Yeah, I mean, if you look back, like a lot of companies were building like one flagship consumer yeah. app for the app store. You know, throwing hundreds of thousands, if not yeah. millions, of dollars into it, outsourcing it to a dev shop that actually knew mobile. And the thing that I'm excited about with Ionic that seems to be resonating really well is you can get your teams building mobile apps internally with the people you already have on staff. You can do it really quickly and cheaply, so you can actually build these things now to support the org rather than just doing flagship consumer apps. Yeah, makes sense. So um, is there one or two apps that you know that was built there? Like, wow, that's really cool. They built that with Ionic. Whether it's like a cool functionality or a, a company that built it. That yeah, uh, on the consumer side, <clears throat> we have a few favorites. Um, one is Swerkit, which is a popular app. It's oh, yeah. like a workout app. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, so they're one of the top workout cool. apps in the app store, yeah. millions of users. Huh. So they were like our first big uh, wow. social consumer app. And then Untapped, are you familiar with Untapped? Uh -huh. It's the beer drinking social network. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it should be. <laughs> <laughs> you basically tag what beer you're drinking and Oh, nice. Um, so they're using Ionic. And then, you know, on the enterprise side, there's a lot of things I can't talk about, but um, anywhere from like building an inventory tracking app for tracking machinery okay. and things like that, um, we're seeing a lot of stuff that I never kind of expected. Do people, um, well, especially with the internal apps, I was going to say, do, do they ever, you know, 
have an, you could almost have like an app store that resell them. You guys don't have anything like that right now. It's on our radar. It's on, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. on our roadmap. Yeah, all right. Part of the series, I know. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, I know it's hard to deal with, but yeah, I mean. Well, we kind of, so the thing is we already kind of have something like that. Okay. But it's it's being sold as more testing tools. So uh, we have an app called Ionic View that lets you basically send and immediately test apps without installing them. Huh. Because Ionic is primarily web content, so it's easy to package it up and load it dynamically. So Ionic View is kind of the first start to that. So okay. we'll see where it goes. All right, interesting, nice. That's cool. And how? So how do you uh, how do you market? What channels do you use the best? Because I'm still as amazed by your, your growth. You know, it's just obviously you weren't uh, calling up everybody. You know, it, <laughs> it was a lot of word of mouth, which is very hard to get. But yeah. um, obviously, you have a good product. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done that. But yeah, what what uh, channel kind of marketing channels have been um, best for you guys? So I think initially it was a combo of write a blog, tweet it out. Okay. And, or like build a landing page, tweet it out. So Twitter has really been huge for us. Okay. And for every single thing we've done, Twitter's always been the thing, but okay. our users are on Twitter, so they're easy to reach. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the thing about Twitter is it's pretty, if your users are on there and you're, you're savvy about it, you're basically able to reach so many people for, you know, free, but in a way that they're actively engaging and sharing your stuff. Yeah, so yeah. The, I think the key thing is you have to you have to make content that's actually authentically good. And, and shareable. And <laughs> right? shareable. want to share it, yes. You know, there's a lot of people who just spam on Twitter, and yeah. it's just like the worst strategy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, we'd write a blog post saying, uh, hey, here's, here's like an insight into the mobile space, and people would share it and tweet it, and, you know, we'd mention the right accounts to hopefully get some, you know, big retweets here and there, oh, every nice, once in a while nice. you get a big one and then you get inflow of users. But you know, from a business standpoint, we've always been hyper focused on making sure that we always um, retain our audience. You know, like if, if, we, if we get a tweet, if we get someone coming to the website, we make sure that we get their email, that they sign up on the mm-hmm. newsletter, that we're not spamming them there, but we're engaging with them constantly. So you know, making sure that whenever we do get some attention that we do retain that audience yeah, yeah, yeah. engages them and grow it. Huh? No, that's smart. Yeah, they say that email, is pro- email lists are probably the most valuable. Oh, yeah. If you get them, yeah. yeah. It's funny, like, we'll, yeah. okay, we'll write a blog post, we'll tweet it out. Yeah. And then we'll send a newsletter, and we have you know, more people in the newsletter than on our Twitter followers, but still, like, the engagement is just kind of like 10x. Oh, yeah, newsletter, right? Yeah. Because people just, like, email you back. It's more personal. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they go and tweet and it. And they see it. And then they so go then tweet it. it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> kind of, you know, it keeps... It works. Yes. Nice. Um, all right. So we, we've kind of talked about it, but where do you kind of where do you want to take Ionic over the next five years? Um, I mean, it's kind of a broad question, but what, what comes to your mind? There. Well, I think in, in a simple, uh, to put it simply, I look at projects like WordPress, and I saw what WordPress has done for blogging for desktop mm-hmm. websites, and it basically changed the game. You know. Uh, and it, it, it enabled so many people who were not professional software developers to build real websites to make real money doing this stuff. And so when I look at mobile, I don't see anything that's done that yet. You hmm. know, like, yeah. you know, and, and some of that is probably a side effect of the fact that historically mobile has been very utility driven. So you're building apps that do things. Um, but we're starting to see a shift where 
mobile is not just for you know calculator apps it's also yeah, yeah. for content it's for reading um, it's for looking at you know people, menus and things like that so I want to have the impact that WordPress had on desktop on mobile through Ionic um, nice. and I, I don't I don't know what that looks like yet because it's no one's done it so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in five years like I don't know what that what that looks like because I just don't know what's possible here but we're always going to kind of push towards that huh. vision of being like the WordPress for mobile well yeah that's an exciting vision um yeah and it's a big one which is nice to have right and helps keep your team motivated you know because yeah. if you can change the mobile world like the web, like WordPress change the web world that's a, a major lasting impact yeah Interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, and so we got a little more time, not a lot, but one thing I was curious about, and you blogged about it, so I'm going to bring it up, is uh, <laughs> you, uh, you did have an acquisition offer about a year ago, I yeah. think, and you turned it down. And that, well, I won't ask any details, cause, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, is that because you kind of have this like internal, well, you have this vision, right? Mm -hmm. And you just want to see if you can see, you want to make it happen. Yeah, I mean it's it's complex. Like there's a lot of things that happen around. And we don't have to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of you you really have a lot of time to sit and think about what you want. Yeah. And for us, we just felt like like there was so much work to do still, and mm -hmm. so much that we wanted to do. Like I had this you know product vision of having Ionic be this kind of all-encompassing one-stop shop for everything you need to do mobile, and like we'd only build out like a quarter of that. <laughs> so some of it was just like okay, well, let's keep building because we're not done yet. And maybe it'll be worth more once we do. But uh, you know, some of it was also per like personal, you know, professional intrigue. Like, you know, I've never built a company bigger than what we had at the time, and I kind of just wanted to keep going. I never raised a Series A before, so I did that. Like, just kind of learning yeah, yeah, and growing yeah. my own, like on my own. And I think that was something that resonated with a lot of people. It was like, if we sell, do we kind of stop some of that, that learning? Right. Yeah. yeah. Even if. Even if it's you know a little bit cushy of a landing, yeah. you know, is it, you know, is it going to be challenging enough for us to kind of keep growing? So that's part of it. But yeah, I think we just felt like it was too early, and and we had seen some really great traction. And looking at the graphs, like I'm so glad that we didn't sell because everything that we did was kind of, you know, a quarter, if not a, you know, less than that of what we we've, we've really? done since then. Wow, wow. And, well, and it seems like, um, it seems like we're, I mean. Um, I don't have a ton of personal experience around this, but uh, it seems like whenever coming by as a company, it seems like the technology like development kind of stagnates for a while. Like, it just doesn't. It's not as explosive, not as like creative. It just they just focus on like you know maintenance. I mean that's not always the case, but if, you, know, you often hear like things shut down and yeah. yeah. There's so, a there's a whole range of things that can happen, and you never really know. I think until yeah, it actually yeah. happens. No. So uh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think it's cool to turn it down. That's why I uh, asked, because uh, I, like, I like the, like your guts. So I say, like, boom, go for it big, right? You're young. You can be like 10 more of these yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah. Things, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and you're in such a good position. But uh, So we're almost done, but want to talk a little bit more about Madison, because yep. we're both Madison. And uh, uh, I'm sure you were, well, you, I'm sure you've thought about leaving Madison. Maybe you haven't, but yeah, wh why have you stuck it out in Madison, and how's it? How's it been? Um, you know, I think the simple answer for why we're here and why we stayed is it kind of just happened, you know? And then I think you could kind of look at that and say, well, Madison is, is you know, and where you're located is, is not as relevant anymore because mm -hmm. we're building on the internet. Or you could say, well, the fact that we've been able to stay here and we grew something here is because we found the right mix of people and you get that kind of, 
you know, just you know, uh, a faithful blend of, of smart people. And that's really because of the university. You know, I think that's the one reason that we're here. And, and if we weren't, if the university wasn't where it is today and, and wasn't, um, you know, as big and, and world renowned as it is, like, I don't know if we would have had that yeah. mix to stay. Uh, but and that's kind of why we say it. And, and so far, like, we continue to find great people. We are trying to get even more embedded in the university so we can in huh. increase our recruiting. But uh, I think like 40% of our people are UW alums. Nice. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big part of why we're still here. Gotcha. Okay. And you'll probably stick around for a while. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think long term, like if we look at our space, um, you know, we, we, we were able to find engineering talent here. Yeah. I think that we'll, you know, we'll be able to keep that part of, of our company in Madison for awesome. its yeah. lifetime. Uh, beyond that, when we talk about, you know, sales, marketing, um, you know, things like that, Madison doesn't quite have that, that ecosystem yet yeah. and that experience yet. So we've been open to kind of adding other you know, yeah. small offices, but I think headquarters, HQ will always be here. Yeah. And we've had, we've certainly been pressured to move the company in the past or, you know, have been disregarded because we're here. But I'm seeing a mindset change in the investments uh, sphere. Like, uh, Ionic was General Catalyst's first Madison investment. It was yeah. it was first Madison investment. Did they push you? I was curious. Did they push you to move at all? No, not no. at all. Really? Um, I think, and, and and that's something that I found is is if you tell the story and you show the results, like people understand the story. And and the the what's happened in the funding markets recently is. Uh, the high burn rates of San Francisco companies, yeah. the hiring <laughs> challenges, uh, the recruiting challenges are very real. And you have investors who, you know, the, the valuation bubble out there is crazy. So you have investors who are interested in, you know, trying a different approach and not having to play by those really expensive rules. And companies like Madison appeal to people who are thinking ahead a little bit. I certainly talk to people who like, it's a non-starter. And oh, I get yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, it's also who we are. And if we like, you know, give up who we are to appease an investor, that's probably the wrong step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. If you're forced to move to San Francisco, you won't act be happy. And then, you know, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, the soul of the company is, is so important in the culture and being here is part of our culture. Nice. Well, I like that because I like mass and then most people leave, so not most, <laughs> but uh, but I think more and more more stick. Yeah, around. I mean, you need you need more you need more magnets to keep people here, like yeah. on the job side. I think that's really a big thing. Yep. Um. So we're you know happy that we're helping. <laughs> yes. Bit. Yes. Definitely. Um. All right. Uh. Two more questions, and then we'll wrap it up. One's kind of a big question. I don't know if we'll have an answer or not, but uh, what uh, you know, we've, talk, we've talked about s some lessons, but. Anything for the audience where like, wow, I really wish we'd have done this differently or people should not do this. I mean, you guys did a lot well, to be honest. So, um, um, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think try to, try to do a lot with less, you know, like you, you, especially when you raise money, you kind of, you feel this urge to hire and put it to work because you, you feel like, you know, that's what you're supposed to do yeah. when you raise money is you're supposed to spend it and investors want you to spend it. But I think you, if you, if you, if you start, um, you know, getting comfortable and not going back to the roots, I think you lose a little bit of that energy and excitement you had back when you were, you were starting out. So, um, not that we've had an issue with that, but I can kind of see it happening now. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, 
we can hire five more people or we can kind of figure out how to, you know, get that fire back when we were just building the product oh. again. And so that balance of like spending and not spending and, and hiring and not hiring is really important. So I, I think, you know, anytime I felt like pressured to hire another person when someone else, you know, could have done that work, I think it's always been the right decision to kind of get them in, into that position instead. Yeah. Um, so that's one lesson. I mean, that, that one's still playing out, but you kind of see it right now with with the, the burn rate oh, yeah. Um, yeah. strategy happening. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so that, that's a big one. And uh, right, and there's also maybe something to say about small teams can be a little more creative, a little yeah, more nimble. I exactly. Mean, you, you know, every time we've kind of grew, the company has changed. And sometimes, you know, when we cross a line in headcount that we're not quite ready for on, on the business side, I feel like there's a little bit of a, hmm. a slowdown there. You know, so it's kind of like letting the company scale with the, with the product. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we did raise this round ahead of uh, a lot of commercial growth. So we still need to stay small and build the product and build yeah, the teams yeah. before we scale up. Yeah, makes sense. All right, well that, uh, yeah, so over the next few years, you'll, yeah, you'll probably start hiring more uh, sales, marketing, and theory yep. to get, so yeah, makes sense, yep. okay. All right, so, uh, so last question, uh, and this is for Madison folks. Do you have a what's one of your favorite restaurants in uh, in Madison? Oh man, um, <laughs> you can eat multiple, or you can say <laughs> or you can say none. You can say your kitchen. Uh, <laughs> you know, I went to uh, Harvest recently, and I was very impressed with that. hadn't been there, um, so that's, that's a good one. That's no. definitely one of my favorites. And then uh, Pig and a Fur Coat is also oh, good. Nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, that's a good. Those are those are good good suggestions. Yeah. for anyone who's visiting or haven't been there, <laughs> been to any of those. But um, all right, well, we should probably wrap it up. But uh, this has been awesome. Thanks, Max, for your time Thank and you. thoughts. And love there in Madison, staying in Madison. And uh, um, yeah, and thanks for everyone for listening to another episode of Flyover Laps. And uh, I guess we'll we'll check you out next time. Bye. <laughs>